We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is week 13 of this 2022 NFL season, and the 7-4 and four Baltimore Ravens are set to play host to the 3-8 and eight Denver Broncos inside Emmett T-Bank Stadium for a 1 o'clock kickoff this coming Sunday on a day that all-time Ravens great Marshall Yonda will officially be inducted into the Ravens' ring of honor. More on that to come. Welcome into this official game preview episode. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my partner and co-host, Sarah Ellison, we got a lot to cover, but first, partner, as we've learned throughout the process of getting ready for this episode, getting ready for this week 13 matchup, and really watching this team on primetime, because the Broncos have had so many primetime games to start this season, you think that patience is thinning in this market right now for the Ravens? What about what's going on out there in the Midwest? I mean, it's on a whole new level of frustration right now. You say frustration, the word I would use is depression, <laughs> just because, you know, here it's frustrating because it's like you feel like the Ravens aren't playing to the level that they're capable of. And in Denver, it just feels like they're stuck with potentially a bad, bad investment. I mean, Bobby, they sold the farm to get Russell Wilson. He's getting 48, 49 million a year. And not only that, but they just gave up draft picks galore. So, you know, in, in Baltimore, people are like, hey, should they should they pay Lamar Jackson? It, it will really hurt the cap. Okay, but at least they have draft picks, whereas the Broncos had to give up both draft picks and cap space, and it's three and eight. It's just nothing is working. You're going to hear from Brandon Stokely about this. And so it's just like, there's no hope in Denver right now. They have none. They have none. So to me, it's like one of those situations, if you're a diehard Broncos fan, I can just imagine them curling up in a ball, getting in bed, putting the covers over their head and say, wake me up next season. Let me know what kind of improvements you were able to make, if any. Mm, such a proud franchise too, you know? So just like here in Baltimore, they're taking this super, super hard out there. And it's been a rough few weeks as well, having lost most recently last weekend to the Carolina Panthers. Sam Darnold was starting under center, of course. And before that, they lost an overtime battle with the Vegas Raiders. And before that, the Tennessee Titans, 17-10. to 10. So three straight losses coming in. Again, like you said, 
you know, three and eight on the year with a $245 million man is just not going to cut it. They also have a first year head coach in Nathaniel Hackett. There has been far from a perfect marriage between head coach and quarterback. And that's certainly something that we asked Brandon about. Here's the backstory, by the way, on, on uh, Brandon Stokely. So obviously he was a member of the 2000 Super Bowl winning Ravens. Matter of fact, he recorded the first touchdown of that game for some of our OG fans out there. Maybe some of you still have the uh, they gave out these seat cushions, Sarah. I don't know why I, I know this, but I, I ran into somebody. I think it was my ex's actually my my ex's uh, grandfather had the the archived seat cushion from Raymond James Stadium from the Ravens first Super Bowl title. And oh uh, anyway, if, if some maybe maybe some of our listeners were in attendance for that, so some of our OGs, but uh, but Brandon had a, a great career, really kind of made his bread with with Peyton Manning during their time together as a, a QB wide receiver combo in Denver. Spent several seasons there. He was all over the place, including he actually finished his career with the Ravens, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you were you were there as we learn. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even um, I couldn't remember. I had felt like Brennan had Stokely been there at one point. But um, as we talked before, you know, we recorded, he reminded me it was that 2013 season coming off the Super Bowl. And it just wasn't a great season. But I remember the Ravens signing him and, you know, just like with any wide receiver signing, because it's like, oh, please let this work and look at Brennan Stokely and how he's been. And then it was similar but worse to what happened with Deshaun Watson is you know he was like his his final year where he gave it a try and I think he heard a hammy I think that was it and he just really never made it onto the field at least Deshaun Jackson was able to overcome it and recorded last week the fastest speed on a by a wide receiver this season so um so that that strategy of signing um wide receivers that are past their prime goes way back and Brandon's a part of that that uh that legacy <laughs> probably one he doesn't necessarily yeah. want to be a part of but he did want to be a part of that 2000 legacy for sure yeah, absolutely and you may be wondering what he's up to now he's actually a radio host in Denver for 104.3 the fan and his co-host this is kind of full circle here happens to be one of my mentors uh, was one of my mentors growing up in Albany, New York, by the name of a guy by the name of Zach Bai. And um, he, he's just a, a great friend of mine. He, again, it was he was a mentor. Now he's just a friend, uh, like a brother almost. And so they've been doing great work together. It's a super popular show out there in, in the Denver market. And so Zach connected me with with Brandon a couple of years back. We've stayed in touch. And whenever the two teams play, we get together virtually for something like this. So without further ado, our conversation with former Super Bowl winning Raven. Matter of fact, he's got three Super Bowl championships under his belt. Let's bring it in Stoke. It's kind of a, a softball to start. And I'm, you've talked about this ad nauseum, I'm sure, with Zach on your local show in Denver. But this whole marriage between Russ and the cooking that Russ does and Denver and, and everything that's taken place in recent months hasn't exactly aligned yet. Why? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's been awful. Uh, there's been no cooking, uh, obviously. It's been, it's been really bad. You know, it, it's hard to pinpoint one thing uh, of why it's gone so wrong. And obviously with the trade, there were so much expectations here in Denver. Um, you had a new coach 
coming from Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. You know, it was like the expectations were so high here in Denver that you finally found your quarterback. Been looking for one since Peyton left after 2015 in the Super Bowl then. And it just hasn't hasn't even come close to working out. Uh, you go back to training camp. We were very critical of how they operated in training camp. And it was one of the easiest training camps I've ever seen. And so, you know, I come from the Peyton Manning school of offensive football. It's hard. It's tough. And you got to grind day in and day out. And uh, they just weren't doing that during training camp. And I think that's part of it. Uh, and I, us here in Denver, we're just we're, we're hoping that Russ, you know, hasn't hit his best. And now he's on the downside of his career. Uh, that's where we're at right now here in Denver, uh, hoping that it's just something with this offense. It's just not a good fit. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, he's not going to be here next year. I just don't see any way possible that that's going to work out and he's going to have year two. So you're kind of holding out hope here in Denver that you get the right fit for Russ with this new coach and a new offense uh, next year. Well, there's a lot of things we can take from that, especially Hackett. Maybe we'll come back to that in just a second. So you talked about, you know, just the expectations based off of contract and the fact that the Broncos just sold the farm. So many yeah. things to to get him out of Seattle to come to Denver. Uh, you know, I was looking up his contract today just because, you know, we're the outside looking in. It doesn't even look like there's a realistic out of that contract to like 2026. And even then it would be a lot of dead money. So I guess – what you're saying here is with Hackett, Hackett, maybe another coordinator. I mean, what is the hope? Is it a new coordinator that Russ will turn it on next year? Like, what else can they do? Yeah, not much. You know, you're stuck with Russ. I mean, his new contract, I mean, he had two years remaining on his existing contract when they traded for him from uh, Seattle. And they redid it, and they added, you know, five more years to that contract, uh, $266 million, something like that. 144 guaranteed. Um, and so they added that to the two years. So, you know, right now, this is still year one of seven years. So you got two more, you got another year after that of his old contract, then the new contract kicks in. So it's, uh, it's a tough deal. I mean, you know, there's no way of getting around it. It's, it's, you're stuck with Russ. You know, I looked at it and it's probably for three years at the minimum you know, at the best, and then you would have to eat a $40 million cap hit um, after that if he's really done, done. So right now, moving forward, the Broncos' position has to be to find a new coach that can get the best out of Russell Wilson. That's You're all in with Russ. He's not going anywhere um, after this year. So you're stuck with him for a few more years at least, you know, and it might be, like, like you said, it might be longer than that. So you're going to have to try to find a coach to – uh, get the best out of them. And whether that's an offensive coach um, or, you know, that coach hires a coordinator, you're going to have to try to find an offense that fits Russ because what they're doing right now, it, it's not even close. I mean, this is the worst it's been here since Peyton Manning. And it's been bad around here. You know, I mean, we've had quarterback after quarterback every single year. It's been a new quarterback and it's been awful. And this is the worst that it's been. They're the worst scoring offense in the NFL. I mean, like how can it and you and you got a franchise quarterback um, with a guy like Russell Wilson? How is that even possible? Uh, so that's 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 the issues here, and you know people are scratching their heads of why it's so bad. How is has gotten to be uh, where we are right now? And it's it's a head scratcher. 
Well, Stoke, who else is to blame besides Russ? I mean, as offensive line, and I feel like we should be able to answer this on our own without you because oh, of how yeah. many times these this team has played on primetime, right. dude. I mean, this, this there's been so many primetime games, I feel like, through the first half of the season. But um, what what's led to this aside from Russ's play? Have there been other contributing factors? Certainly. You know, they've had injuries, but every team has injuries. I mean, you think Baltimore didn't have a ton of injuries last year and doesn't have injuries this year. I mean, it's it's the NFL, right? No one really cares. It's like, did you win enough games or did you not? But certainly there's been injuries that have impacted this football team. They just don't have the depth um, to overcome those injuries, unfortunately. And Russ hasn't played well enough to lift up the other guys. You know, you're hoping when you have that type of quarterback that he can lift up the guys that maybe certain people hadn't heard of and make them better. But uh, the injuries have happened, and uh, Russ hasn't been able to uh, pick up the slack and lift up the other guys that um, have taken those guys' places. So it's uh, it's been a combination of a lot of things. Um, it's just not one thing here. It's the injuries. The offense is just uh, not very good. Russ is not playing very good at all. Uh, he looks lost, whether it be his footwork, his reads, his progressions, his decision-making, all of all of the above. You know, when you're in um, – oh, I know when I was in, like, middle school and they had ABC and then they had, like, none of the above or all of the above, it's just like, you know, screw it, let me just go with all of the above. That's where we're at here. It's like all of the above, everything. Everything is to blame. Wow. Hey, Brandon, you, you had mentioned that the, the offense is – number 32 in points per game. The defense is number three in points allowed per game. Do you get any sense that maybe the locker room, especially on the defensive side, I'm just thinking of Mike Purcell kind right. of, you know, getting after Russell Wilson. Do you feel like that interaction between them might be indicative of what's happening? Like, do you feel like there's any resentment from the defense over to the offensive side? Well, it's hard for me to say. You know, I'm not in that locker room, but you can sense it. You know, uh, because the defense has, has been a good defense. Let's, you know, don't fool yourself with that stat. Uh, but, you know, with the, they were leading the league and giving up points, and the Broncos were the worst in scoring points a couple weeks ago. Uh, they've had a hard time stopping the run the last couple weeks. They are a good defense. They're not a great defense. Um, and I think a lot of teams game plan to just, hey, let's not screw this thing up. Uh, if we can score 20 points, we'll win. I mean, that, I mean, that's the bottom line. So, but you can kind of sense some frustration there. And, you know, I can't really blame them. When you're losing, expectations were high and defense is playing good enough to win games. And you look at the offense and they are playing the way the Broncos offense is playing. You're, you're going to be frustrated. And the expectations were there. Russell's making a ton of money and he's not delivering. He's underperforming. And so, there's um, there's got to be some frustration there from the defense. And I think you saw a little bit of that with Mike Purcell last week in Carolina um, and, and how he was yelling at Russ. I don't know exactly what he said, but there's, certainly there's frustration there with, with the way the offense is playing and the way the Russ is playing. So, you know, the only way to remedy, remedy that is to win football games. When you're not winning games, you're going to have some of that stuff happen. And we got to circle back to a couple of those comments you made right off the jump regarding Nathaniel Hackett, because I got to be honest, going all the way back to the introductory press conference, I remember watching it. He was kind of fanboying over Russ, I felt like that day. And I was like, is this really the first impression that he's given off? And then, of course, you're watching the, the kind of the, 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 the meltdown clock management, game management kind of things in the early going of this season. So, 
at this point entering week 13, you, you one don't think he's going to be around for a year or two. And two, what is the temperature? I mean, that's you, but what's the fan base's temperature around this guy right now? I mean, the fan base wanted him gone four or five weeks ago. You know, I mean, they're fed up. I mean, they are fed up here in Broncos country. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's his philosophy just hasn't worked. Overall, he seems like a really good guy. The players like him. The players want to play hard for him, uh, but it's just not working out. And uh, at some point, you know, we talked a lot about this. Um, he's the guy that's giving out hugs. He's the positive guy. He's the guy that always has a smile on his face. Well, what happens when things start going bad? Are you still giving out these t- these hugs every day and you still operating this way? And that's where we're at right now. And at a certain point, you know, there has to be a discipline disciplinarian um, aspect of this thing as a head coach you got to be able to put your foot down and I don't know if he's able to do that and we, we you know you, you look at the Melvin Gordon situation and a few weeks ago and um, you know he's he's not playing he's kind of pouting on the sideline and the next thing you know he's starting the next week it just doesn't make sense and then now you know after he fumbled for you know who knows how many times they finally uh, cut him but it's like a little bit too little too late there so it just hasn't been a good fit for Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach this year, uh, unfortunately. Uh, it's not good news here in Denver. You don't want to change coaches, but I don't see any other avenue for this new ownership. I mean, this ownership that took over um, didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett. You know, they inherited Nathaniel Hackett. He was hired before they bought the team. And so, you know, they've got to be looking at the situation like, ooh, this is, you know, this is not good. They have to be embarrassed. You know, all those you know, the things that you brought up from the first game on, the Broncos have been under the spotlight. And that's not a good thing when you're not performing well and your head coach isn't performing well. And and that's just the NFL. And so everyone knows what you're signing up for in the NFL. And unfortunately, Nathaniel Hackett hasn't delivered. And I don't think there's any um, – I can't find a reason um, uh, or, or – uh, anything to, to to signal that he'll be back for year two. It just you can't sell that to the fan base. Switching gears a little bit here, uh, Patrick Sertain. Now he's somebody that you're kind of looking at from out here. The Ravens' passing game hasn't you know been on fire. What do what do you feel like he's done so far in his career? And you know just on the outside looking in, you know sometimes because we're always looking at cornerback list. Like we want to see you know. Marlon Humphrey up there, or right. Marcus Peters, but we saw one the other day that had Patrick Sertain pretty up, pretty pretty high up there. Would you put him as like a top five CB? How is his career going? Yeah, no, he's been great in year two. Um, uh, he's been great. He, he's everything advertised. Um, you know, from Alabama, first round pick, and uh, he's long, he's strong, he'll tackle, uh, he can cover, he's fast. Uh, so he's that prototypical new age uh, cornerback. Uh, he. He's, he's given up a couple touchdowns the last couple weeks. I think everybody saw a couple weeks ago the walk-off touchdown in overtime to Devontae Adams. It happens. Uh, gave up a touchdown last week uh, to DJ Moore in Carolina. But he's the real deal. He's great. Um, and he, he goes about his business the right way. He's a true pro. His dad played in the NFL. Me and his dad actually played in the Louisiana High School All-Star game together years ago. Um, so... Look, I mean, he comes from a, a, a football family, and he, he, he checks all the boxes for, for a cornerback, and he's going to be a great cornerback for a long, long time. He can do it all. At what point did you come to terms, Stoke, that these guys that are playing out there right now, you were playing with their pops? 
Yeah, exactly. I I'm old, man. Yeah. Getting old. It's it stinks. Uh, it stinks. It's not fun. Uh, but that's when you really know you're getting old. You're looking at these rosters and you're saying, well, how many of these guys have I actually played with? There's still a few that I've played with, and uh, you know, Derek Wolf, who was in Baltimore the last couple of years, he he's on our radio station now, and uh, he was talking about Brandon Williams uh, today, uh, mm-hmm. just signed with the Chiefs, I believe, and I was like, I was teammates with him, so that gets me excited. When I can see some of my former teammates that are actually still playing, my last year was there in Baltimore in 2013. I know everybody remembers that year that I had. It was such a memorable year for me. Um, and so, but, you know, we're almost 10 years later, and there's still a few guys that I was teammates with. So, uh, but, yeah, man, getting old, getting old. It's not fun. Your programming director over there at the fan, Raj Sharon, putting together one heck of a lineup, man. You guys are you're crushing it. He's from Columbia, Maryland. I've gotten to know Raj through Zach, your, your radio partner over the years. So there's a lot of inroads here. But, uh Speaking of kind of like keeping yourself young and whatnot, your boy Peyton's doing exactly that with Manning cast and all of his ventures when within this, this digital and social world that he's putting together, Eli as well. But he made some, um, some comments recently that uh, made headlines about Greg Roman Ravens offensive coordinator, who's in the news right now today for other reasons related to a potential, the, the vacancy out there at Stanford. But you think from the outside looking in of, of Greg Roman's philosophy, what he's done in Baltimore. And I guess this is the case in every market, but the fan base is just, he's an easy target, man. They're all over him. But I guess that's the case like with every coordinator in every market. Yeah, it, no, it really is. Look, I mean, it's a hard profession and uh, you, you get scrutinized for everything that you do, right? It's not easy, but you get paid a lot of money. Um, and that's just part of the business. And uh, that's what you sign up for, uh, unfortunately, whether you're a player or a coach. It's just the way it goes. Um, and, you know, watching the Ravens um, offensively for me from afar, you know, I don't watch them play in, play out like I do the Broncos. Um, but there's some things there that have me scratching my head and offensively, especially in their passing game. Uh, there, there's too much gray area. And when I say that, you know, I mean, you know, the quarterback and receiver aren't on the same page, whether it be a, a drag route, you know, a five-yard drag route going left to right, and the receiver sits down and Lamar throws it out in front of him. Um, certain things like that, I just see too much with this Ravens passing game. And um, I know, you know, like I said, I, I grew up under Peyton Manning. You know, that was my best years, and I learned a lot from him. And there was no gray area. This is how we're doing it. This is what we're going to do. And you repped it over and over and over again. So it was second nature. And when you're in the film room, if you were at 11 yards, you're supposed to be at 12 yards. Hey, guess who spoke up? Peyton Manning spoke up, right? Um, so there's no gray area in, with, 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 with a guy like Peyton Manning. And, you know, we weren't perfect, but that's what made our offenses click. That's what made us who we were. And I see too much gray area with the Baltimore Ravens. And, and sometimes with a guy like Lamar Jackson, yeah, you can freelance. Right, because he's extending plays and, and doing all these things, but and which is great, you know, playing a little bit of backyard football. That's that's awesome. But when when it comes time when you have got to throw the football and you're down seven, you're down ten, and it's the third quarter, can you execute the passing game at a high level? And I just don't see enough of that with the Ravens. And that's what has me so confused because they have so much talent. And but that comes back to just working, and that goes to the offseason. You know, I know Lamar wasn't there much in the offseason, and, and some guys aren't there. You know, you saw Aaron Rodgers not be there this offseason, and, 
and he's got a lot of young receivers. You see what their offense looked like. They stink offensively. They're all over the place. So it, 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 playing offensive football in the NFL is hard. It's not easy. And so I think when you miss the offseason program, it starts to show up. And they need to be cleaner in their drop back passing game for me. And I don't know what it is. I don't, you know, I don't know um, the, the why because I'm not in those meetings. Uh, but it, it's got to be cleaner. If they want to take that next step and win a championship, you don't do it by um, doing what they're doing right now, um, certainly, because they have too much talent. They have too good of a running game to not be better in the passing game. I mean, you look out there, it's man-to-man. It's one-on-one because everybody's stacking the box and putting eight, nine guys in the box to stop the running game. So as a receiver, I love that. It's time to eat. Let's go. And it's just not good enough. I don't know why. Well, and just to be clear, Peyton Manning, he made headlines because he was – praising greg roman <laughs> it wasn't because he was like it was like Peyton the opposite everyone that's what he yeah. does that's why everybody loves peyton Manning. he praises everyone i mean that's what he does that's not what i do that's not yeah. what i do you gotta you know, be the villain stoke but, you, you but, always need a villain but, but yeah but I'm, I'm the bad guy peyton's the nice guy that's why that's why he's never had me on the manning cast you know that's why he's never had me on because he knows how I'll, I'll just be real and i'm gonna call him out so you know, hey. So you can't you can't believe him like the same thing with Bill Belichick. He just likes to praise his opponents, and then you, it makes right. you feel good just until yeah. he can come and uh, yeah get you. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So just speaking a little bit more of the offense, your impressions of Lamar Jackson. I know I always like to ask people in other markets. Um, I mean, especially after that 2019 season, everybody was just so scared of him. Do you feel like? This Broncos defense are, are, is scared of him. What is the impression of him out in, in Denver or your impression of him? Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to be, you got to fear Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's as talented as they get. I mean, he can do it all. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, you, you saw the throw to uh, Deshaun Jackson uh, mm-hmm. last week. I mean, I mean, he, he can throw the ball down the field. Um, and, and obviously, with his legs and that running game, you got to respect it and you fear it. You do. And if you're the Denver Broncos, they really fear that running game. So they'll load the box. And I mean, every week, I guarantee you, every defense coordinator is saying, hey, make Lamar Jackson beat you with his arm. Let's try to shut down this running game. It's easier said than done, obviously, because they got a dynamic running game. They do so many things, whether it's a fullback, the running back, or Lamar taking off. And then all of a sudden, you got Andrews, you know, working in the middle of the football field. So, but you got to have some guys on the outside that can win one on one. And, and, and that's the bottom line and press coverage man to man, but that's the time to go as a wide receiver. I mean, there's no better looks than going one-on-one with someone. And I just don't see them winning enough in, in, uh, when you see those types of defenses. Uh, but certainly with Lamar Jackson, I mean, look, I mean, he's awesome. Um, and he, he can do it all, but to me, you got to clean up a few of the little things, the small things, not the big things, just the small things. That's what separates being good to great, right? It's just the little things. And that's in everything in life. And so for me, um, like I said, it's, it's that gray area and it's just cleaning up those things. And if they do that, um, not, now you look at like that 2019 team with, you know, that's a year that he led the league in, in passing touchdowns, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they were, they were unbelievable that year. Uh, but for some reason, you just don't see the same, whether it's, you know, you don't have Hollywood Brown, you don't have some of the same weapons, but still, you got to make it work uh, if you're the Ravens in the passing game because you got too good of looks. I mean, it's just it's 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 what you want as a wide receiver, and for some reason you don't see that passing game consistent enough 
And, and if you want to win a Super Bowl, which I know they do, that's the standard uh, over there in Baltimore. You got to that passing game has got to be cleaned up a little bit. Stoke, let's just say you were a 2022 wide receiver right now, still in your heyday, still in your playing days. Would you want to play for this organization? Oh, you're darn right I would. I mean, heck yeah. Look, I'm getting the best looks ever, you know, because of the quarterback. Like, you know, when I played with Peyton, everyone was saying, run the football, run the football. We're just not going to let Peyton beat you with his arm. And they played soft cover too. You, you had, you had, you know, coverages to take away the passing game. In Baltimore, they don't care about the passing game. They're trying to stop the run. So you're getting one-on-one. -on -one. That's what I loved. And that's what, as a receiver, that's what you got to love. Me against you, you got really no help over the top. You might have one middle of the field safety. That's it. So, yeah, I'm for that all day, every day. Um, and, and that's what you love to see as a wide receiver. And, you know, it's like, hey, me against you. Best man wins. Uh, but for me, yeah, that's what I'm all about. Let's go. They got to call you up. Man. They got to call him up now, Sarah. I mean, come on. They, they, well, I, I hear they got a spot open. Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Stokely. Let's take Let's take all the well, guys. I, I'm a little bit older than Deshaun. Uh, but, you know, I, Ozzy <laughs> called me up in 2013 and brought me in for my last array. And, you know, I felt good in camp. But, you know, I didn't make it much in, in during the season before my body broke down. So I don't think the Ravens are going to call me up anymore. <laughs> hey, hey, Brandon. So we're going to have major problems if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Obviously, the Ravens are heavy, heavy favorites for this game. But what would have to go right? What would it take to be like the keys for the Broncos? I mean, look, the Jags just did it. Not many people thought the Jags would beat the Ravens. Yeah. So what would need to go right if 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 Russell Wilson were to turn it on? Hey man, if you just stick around until the fourth quarter, who knows what's going to happen with the Ravens this year? Right. What has what what needs to happen for the Broncos to win? Everything, everything. Broncos stink. <laughs> Broncos stink. Uh, and yeah, the Ravens <laughs> lost me a lot of money last week. So thanks a lot. You know, uh, so um, they did. They cost me a lot of cash last week losing that football game. So uh, I'm not happy with them right now. Uh, but, I mean, everything has to go right for the Denver Broncos. I mean, obviously, they are the worst offense in the NFL. Uh, they are. Uh, so, like, the Ravens would have to turn the ball over three or four times. The Ravens would have to give up a couple big, big touchdowns down the field. The Broncos can't drive from the 20 to the end zone. They just can't do it without screwing it up. Uh, they might kick a field goal, but they can't do that consistently enough. Unless you give them freebies, unless you turn the football over and screw things up. If you just don't screw things up, there's no chance that the Ravens lose this football game. None. So there you go. Hey, Sarah, I think we can wipe out the prediction part of our script here. Cause <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to hear a score, though. I need to hear a score. What's the what's the predicted score, Brandon? <laughs> a lot to a little. I got it like 27-10, <laughs> 27-13, uh, right okay. around there. Wow. Um, that's what it should be. Now, you know, it's the NFL. Anything can happen. We see crazy things happen every week, but um, yeah. I just can't see something this crazy happening. I just can't. Uh, the Broncos consistently have been a bad offense. Um, if they score 20 points, you know, uh, we might throw a parade here in Denver. I mean, that's how bad it is. I'm telling you, that's how bad it is. So, like, if, if the Ravens could score 23 points, there's no chance that they lose. Uh, we'll see. They are not blowing out teams at all this year. So we'll see if that Broncos ends up being the case. Right hey, listen, the Broncos are a hit right game. So, look, if you're struggling, 
you want the Denver Broncos on your schedule. This is just the truth. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not trying to make jokes here. This is the truth. Uh, Carolina Panthers, hey, you know, I know I know the Ravens only beat them 13-3, and it was a close game, but they stink. Um, Balt- uh, Denver goes up there last week, and, you know, I mean, it was a blow. It was blowout city. I mean, it, 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 the Broncos, I mean, that game was over at halftime. So it's, it's a get-right game. Deontay Foreman looked like Earl Campbell running the football against the Broncos. So, look, I mean, like, like, well, what are we talking about here? If the, if the, if the Ravens don't yeah. rush for over 200 yards and score 20-something points and don't give up more than 13 points, I mean, look, I mean, that, that would be um, uh, depressing if you're Baltimore. Sarah, you think he's just catering to our audience or, or what here? Oh, come he's doing on. the Bill Belichick thing here. I don't know. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Something's going on. I'm just shooting you straight here. I'm like, <laughs> this is what we say on air every day. Unfortunately, this is what we talked about. You know, we talk about Broncos uh, 24-7. Um, and, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in watching every game. And, unfortunately, they've been a disaster this year. Look at their record. I mean, Look, points per game with Russell Wilson, they are last in the NFL. How is that even possible? Uh, how many mm. times have they scored 20 points or more? I think they've scored 20 points or more once or twice at the most. Um, so it's been um, – I think it's twice. I think it's twice. But it, it, it's, it's – And one of them might have been the overtime game, right? Yeah, it's, they did – They I know they did it, I think, against uh, the, uh, Vegas, their first meeting against uh, the Raiders, and they lost. Um, so – it's uh, it's it's just it's really bad. I mean, it's really bad. So yeah. unless you screw yeah. things up, and I think that's most of the teams that go in and play the Broncos. You know, they're watching all these films, of course, and they're saying, "Hey, let's just not screw this up offensively. Let's be really conservative and take care of the football, and we'll win the game. We'll win the game." I mean, because the yeah. Broncos can't score points. You need to score points, right, to win in the NFL. I mean, it's 2022. <laughs> You're supposed to be able to score points. Right. I mean, it's built. The league is built to score points right now, and the Broncos. You know, they're averaging like 13, 14 points a game. All right, let's finish here because we've kept you long enough and we can keep going and going and going on this, but we'll, we'll save that for you you and the radio show there. Uh, what should we expect from the 30for30 doc coming out on your 2000 Ravens? Are you going to be involved? Should we be as fired up as everybody seems to be? What's going on with that? They didn't call me. I don't know. I'm not involved at all, um, uh, which, you know, uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me, uh, but but at the same time, I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to see it, you know, because I'm sure they'll have a lot of stuff that I've forgotten about that I don't remember. Uh, that was a long time ago. And so, I, I'm man, I'm so looking forward to it and can't wait to see it. And, you know, we were supposed to have our reunion, of, you know, I don't know, a couple of years ago, COVID hit, couldn't go down, and you know, and, and get all the guys together. We did a Zoom thing, just not quite the same. So... I can't wait to see some of the um, some of the, the the stuff that they have uh, because it was a special team, great group of guys, fun group of guys, and you know it was my second year in the NFL. I mean, gosh, uh, and I was just a baby, and uh, I couldn't imagine playing in the Super Bowl. And then there we were, playing in the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl, and uh, just you know one of the greatest times of my life and so to be able to relive that and 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 look back and see some of some of that stuff that I've forgotten about I, I can't I can't wait for it so I'm so happy that they're doing it and it was such a special defense we had so many special guys so many characters I mean are you kidding me it's just uh it was it was fun it was fun and I can't wait to see it I want that never before seen goose footage right it's yeah. got to be out there like it's That's just it. got to be it. 
That's it. One of a kind. He was one of a kind, man. I mean, when I first met him, I hated the guy. I absolutely hated him. He made my life miserable, my first training camp. I mean, I hated him with a passion. And I don't hate anyone, but I hated Tony Saragusa. And I tell you what, once I made the football team and he put his arm around me and he couldn't have been a better teammate, a better guy, but he was old school right? You don't see that anymore. He was old school. You had to earn your stripes. And and that's what I ended up doing. And he couldn't have been better. Just the best guy and uh, the best teammate. And, uh, you know, so sad uh, that he passed away this year. Um, but uh, he was such a good guy. But at first, oh my gosh, I mean, I was scared of him to begin with and just couldn't stand him. Yeah. I tried to avoid him all of training camp. And, uh, but you know, once you made the football team, you were one of his, and he couldn't have been a better guy and a better teammate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What did we tell you at the top? Frustrations have boiled over in Denver. He did not mince words whatsoever, partner. Uh, really appreciate Brandon's time. But seriously, I mean, the biggest takeaway has to be that patience is not only thinning in Denver, but there's folks in it's this gone. market, especially Stoke being one. Yeah, it, it's completely gone, but they think that Hackett's going to be gone, one and done. Yeah, I was going to ask him, but it started to get a bit long. I'm like, all right, well, if you think he's going to be gone by the season, why not change it up now, right? Try to, like, figure something else out now and get a head start on what might work for us. Um, but it, it's funny, Bobby, you said, you know, leading into that interview that their radio show is super popular. Like, I can see why. Brandon, does, like you said, he doesn't mince words, and he's just like, you know— just hilarious. Hilarious when I asked him, like, what would have to go right? And he's like, listen, you guys are winning this game. You're winning it. Like, this isn't even, you know, everything would have to go right. So he was, I don't know, maybe it's just from what just happened with the Jags and the Ravens ended up beating the Panthers, but not, you know, uh, the offense was was still sputtering, only getting 13 points. So, you know, as I'm listening to him, I want to believe it all, Bobby. I want to believe that that their offense isn't gonna like be able to go, you know, forty yards in a in a drive. It's not gonna be able to go from the twenty to the to the end zone. I I want to believe all that, but I tell you what, if the Ravens let these guys hang around, okay, he said this is gonna be the get right game for the Ravens. 
It totally should be. That's exactly what it should be. But if they let these guys hang around in the fourth quarter and give Russell Wilson the boost that they gave to Trevor Lawrence last week, where it was like, is Trevor, is he going to make it? He's, you know, does he, is he going to live up to his draft status? And then that game was like, hey, there's, there's Trevor Lawrence from, from college that we know. This better not be a thing where this, it's like, hey, there's the Russell Wilson from Seattle that we know. Better not happen, Bobby. Sarah, we've been given no reason to believe that this would be a get-right game for the Ravens. Like, on paper, yeah, do we expect the Jacksonvilles and the Denvers and the Carolinas to all be get-right games? Yeah, but that has not proven to be true with the way that this team has conducted itself on the field in 2022. So I'm not going to be the one to call this a get right game. And I'm sure as heck not going to do, that's not going to be reflected in my prediction hint, hint that's coming up in a little bit. (laughs) You know, it's just what, what have we been given to believe that this team uh, from an offensive standpoint, especially is capable of blowing teams out of the wall, out of the gym. It's just not happening anymore. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So what reasons do we have to believe? Maybe this is a good segue into injury reports. (laughs) Okay. Because if the problem has been injuries, although, um, you know, there's there's less on offense than on defense. Okay. The Ravens definitely got some good news from the injury standpoint uh, this week. So Ronnie Stanley was out there. J.K. Dobbins was out there. Um, Isaiah Likely was out there. So of those three, I only really anticipate Isaiah Likely to be back for the Broncos game. But, you know, you'd like to hope... JK, Ronnie, you know, within a couple weeks, we're now in December 1st as we record this, into December football, that maybe as they get all their horses back, they'll be better there. And then maybe for reason for hope on the defensive side, and this is just, you know, looking for reasons for hope, you know, Kyle Hamilton says that he thinks he'll be back this week. Marcus Williams has been practicing, though he's still wearing a plastic cast where he, John Harbaugh said it's going to be another week until he's allowed to be physical with that wrist but he is out there practicing so he probably won't be back this game but maybe maybe the one after that um you know and this is after Gus Edwards just returned Tyus Bowser's back Uh, you know listen if the Ravens don't get it done with all their horses back in the stuff you know back in uh then it's like you know you got to look at yourself in the mirror uh, and and be like, what what is it that needs to change? Is it more? Is it coaching changes or whatever? But I'm interested to see if if all these guys make a difference, especially come fourth quarter, especially when it comes to you know getting a rhythm and having actual running backs that you that you know can perform and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards together. But even with all that happens happening, Greg Roman putting in the play calls. The, the motions, the all that stuff, the Ravens were better in the second half, but the first half were just stuttering. So even with all the horses back, these coordinators got to get their players in the right spot and make sure that they're in a place where they can succeed. So that's that's the Ravens injury side. And I don't know the Broncos, with all everything that's been going wrong there, Bobby, there's been a ton of injuries that they've been dealing with too. Yeah, and I'll dive into that in just a second because it's been a revolving door up and down their offensive line and, and especially at the running back room. By the way, there's going to be a familiar face who's probably going to be getting or at least splitting a good portion of the carries at the running back position for Denver. But I wanted to touch on something that we talked a little bit about 
this week. And that, that was uh, some comments made by ESPN's Dan Orlovsky. And I think this is the, this is the, um, I would say the optimist in me, right? We can, we can save the pessimist for the predictions later on maybe, mm-hmm. but the optimist says, wow, Dan Orlovsky made a really compelling comment. And that is the fact that this is a seven and a four team that has in their four losses really just collapsed in a number of different ways. It started with the Miami game and obviously um, we, we didn't expect it to happen in the second half of the season, but it did last weekend in Jacksonville. That's just fact in the fourth quarter. 18 fourth quarter points surrendered by a defense that had been playing really, really fundamental and stout, consistent football in the weeks leading up to that, that fourth quarter. But Dan said something that, that resonated, I think, with both of us, which is why we included it in one of our morning vaults. And that's the fact that this team is essentially playing B-minus, C-plus football and sits atop their division entering week 13, tied with Cincy, of course. Yeah, they have the tiebreaker, but they're 7-4 and four with so much in front of them. Not even remotely coming close to scratching A-level football. That's what's encouraging about this. It's December now, like you said. It's here. You know, the, 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 the time is, is now. So I guess that's encouraging. But what's the question that still remains is, okay, December's here. Can they fix this essentially, you know, in season? Can they start clicking to get to A-level football fundamentally, turnovers-wise, clean football, you know, getting guys back like you said? Can that happen on the fly? I don't know the answer to that. Well, at the very least, here's what I know the Ravens can do and they should do. Number one, the game clock management can and should be, the problem should be eradicated. Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman have been in this offense together now for, Greg Roman took, took over in 2019. I think it was Morningweg who was, who was 2018. So this is now the fourth season. There is no reason for there to be this many clock management uh, problems. Now, if that's Greg needs to put in the place faster, if he needs to get rid of or do less substitutions, it seems like there's so many substitutions within a single drive. If that means there's less motion, if it means, you know, whatever it is, with these two in an offense together, there should be no issues. That's number one that they can and should do. Number two, you got to stop with the turnovers. Gus Edwards, I, I know, is not typically a guy that turns things over, but, you know, something like that that happens at the Jaguars 16, that doesn't happen. Ravens very well could have, have won the game. The thing that I'm – you know, so so turnovers you can fix. You, it's, it, you, you got to hold on to the ball. Game clock management you absolutely can and should fix. What worries me is still – do you have the deep threat receiver? And Deshaun Jackson showed that he can still do it. Let's see how consistently he can do it. But um, Lamar Jackson's passing touchdowns have gone down per snap and per game since Rashad Bateman's been out. And so somebody else is going to have to step up, whether it's Devin DuVernay or Deshaun Jackson, um, you know, whoever it is, uh, Demarcus Robinson, um, but they have to have that threat. And then when they're open, and then Lamar's got to hit him. They, he's got to hit him when they are open. And so I feel like it's been a minute. As, and this is what's crazy is the Ravens aren't even in these games without Lamar Jackson. And yet at the same time, 
I feel like it's been a couple of games since Lamar had has had his A game. So it's crazy that he can carry a team with his B game. But if he takes it to an A game with all the other things I named, that's that's what's got to go down. And, you know, we know that Greg Roman has been in contact with Stanford. We don't know what's going to happen there. But, you know, he's a potential candidate for the head coaching vacancy there. And regardless of what goes on there, whether he gets that job or not, if, you know, if if he gets back all of his horses minus Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman to me is not enough of an excuse to say, oh, you got to give Roman a pass. He never had Bateman. It's like, well, this is how the offense is designed. It's not designed to have, you know, uh, you know, big wide receiver uh, output. And so this this to me is it. I think that Greg Roman is more brilliant as an offensive coordinator than fans will give him credit for. The way he can create mismatches and things like that. His play calling, I think, in the moment sometimes leaves something to be desired. But like if if you can't get this offense going with a full offensive line with Ronnie assuming Ronnie Stanley returns, with your running backs in the backfield with Gus and JK, with Lamar healthy with stud tight ends in Mark Andrews and Isaiah likely you can't do it. And we've been trying it's you, you can't, you can't go back and say, yep, let's run it back. Let's run it back. You just can't. It's been, it's been struggling and sputtering for too long. And, and so whether he gets that job or not, if this offense doesn't find a way to play it's a game, then, then I think you have to say, all right, it's it's time to inject new blood here. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think we can probably also agree too that that he deserves the next month and change to prove that he's certainly capable of leading this group from a play caller standpoint. And let's see when they do get all their guys back. Hopefully, you know, now that we have hit December football, that they are capable of making a deep January, you know, postseason run and kind of putting all this middle part of the season drama to bed, but we'll see. There's still a lot left to be said when it comes to the potential of that happening. You mentioned you wanted to know kind of the the injury report in Denver. They have had a lot of issues offensively, especially at the playmaker position partner. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler have been banged up. They're both listed as questionable for this week 13 matchup. And then, you know, at the running back position, my gosh, that was one of their you know, their calling cards coming into the year. It was going to be like, look out for Denver, man. They, they not only have Russ now and some playmakers on the outside, but, you know, they can ground and pound you. Well, Javante Williams is injured. They cut Melvin Gordon. He couldn't hold on to the football. And so, look, guess who we're going to be probably seeing a heavy dose of? Latavius Murray. I mean, TBT, huh? Oof, yeah. Throwback here. Yeah, Latavius Murray. (laughs) I'm just glad the Ravens are not in that situation again. That didn't quite work out for the Ravens last year. But, I mean, to his credit, he started for the first time last week against Carolina and put up 92 yards. So, you know, hopefully the Ravens don't let him get going. They kind of are in a similar situation, Denver, is to what Baltimore was dealing with last year at the running back position. So expect to see, you know, kind of some third and fourth stringers trying to get it done for a Broncos team that from an offensive line standpoint has just been very unreliable. And I think as much as, you know, national media and and football fans at large want to, you know, hammer Russ for kind of the the quirky guy he is. And don't get me wrong, he is a weird dude, right? Like he's he's a he's an interesting character. Um and he can be very cheesy. 
uh, he's not the only problem. I think sometimes you kind of get that sense based on some headlines and some social media poking fun and things of that nature. But there is a lack of trust, and some of that is you, you understand why. There's been multiple combinations that they've been dealing with up and down the line. They lost their left tackle for the year. And I think there's a lot of trust issues, to be honest. He's on pace to be sacked 53 times in 2022. So, you know, to kind of skip ahead to this whole matchup thing that we're looking at, I'm certainly going to be watching the way that Mike McDonald employs his blitz packages because when Russ has been pressured this year, which has happened often, again, on pace to be sacked 53 times, he has just failed to find a rhythm, an in-game rhythm. So I think this is going to be about the Ravens pass rush up front, their push up front, maybe some corner uh, safety blitzes that we've seen, even Queen coming off the edge at times or finding that gap between tackles. That, that that could be one of the differences in stalling an offense that's been very, very underwhelming through 12 weeks of football. Well, I want to watch the matchup who with the guy that likes to cook with grease, all right, and just light everything on fire and consume it all, and that's, that's Roquan Smith. You know, this cannot be a game where Russell Wilson, you know, rediscovers uh, his, his Pro Bowl, All-Pro, and some people would say Hall of Fame kind of potential, you know. So uh, just just can't happen. And I just want, like you said, Mike McDonald to unleash this healthy and dangerous pass rush. It had four sacks uh, last week. I think I saw the other day, I need to know how many games it is. There's The Ravens have a little streak going on right now with three or more sacks per game. Um so they've they've been doing that and getting that strong, but yeah, that's obviously the the thing to watch because if Russ doesn't get going, then the offense can't go on, and if you don't score points, you can't win a game. So um, I think that's the the big matchup to watch there. Here's another one too. While we're at it, you know, Cortland Sutton has been sort of their go-to guy at the wide receiver position because of some of the injuries that I noted a minute ago. I mean, Tim Patrick's done for the year. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler have been banged up. Like I said, they're both listed as questionable for this one. But Cortland Sutton's become their guy, and and he hasn't lived up to expectations uh, with that increased workload. They haven't been going to him in the red zone. He hasn't been as reliable. He leads the team in drops, matter of fact, right now, entering week 13. So assuming that Marlon Humphrey will kind of be tasked with, with shutting down Sutton, I think that could be a cool matchup to watch. All right, so let's do the uh, let's do these predictions. I'll, I guess I'll go first this time. I always feel like I make you go first. Um, yeah, after you. All right. So so listen, the Ravens should one thousand percent win this game, regardless of what just happened to the Jags. Uh, we're at home. We've got we've got Marshall Yonda in the house. We've got all the motivation in the world to make up for what happened last week, both on defense and offense. You've got an opponent that nothing is going right for them right now. So the Ravens better get this. They better get this, and I'm going to predict that they do get this. I do think the Broncos' defense is much better than um, you would think, given their record. Uh, Number three in the league in points per game, which I mentioned in that interview with Brandon Stokely. I'm going to go with a, a lower scoring game where the Ravens still move the ball a lot, still move the ball between the 20s. I really would like to see them start 
scoring touchdowns when they hit the red zone, but I can't with confidence say that they're going to. So um, I see a couple touchdowns and a lot of Justin Tucker. So I'm going to go 23 to 13. A couple touchdowns, huh? They don't do that these days. <laughs> I mean, like I said, they only I, go with I, one per game. It feels like. Well, they had they had did they have two last week? I guess so. They did. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they had a couple last week, and you go back. The Ravens. What's frustrating is that they're there so often. They could be in like thirty point scores all the time. But I'll look it up while you give your score prediction. But I think that they actually are just outside the top 10 in points per game on offense, but let me look it up. It's so funny, right? Because all the talk has been about Greg Roman and the, the game management and, you know, the organized chaos at the line of scrimmage and all this stuff, but yet they, they are still, you know, one of the top offenses in the league, not in recent weeks per se, but at any point, at any point, they can, you just get the sense at some point they're going to go off for a 30 spot or a 35 spot. I don't, I don't yeah. think this is going to be the week. I'll, I'll say that. I mean, all right. Like here, I said, here it is, few, Bobby. Here it yeah. is. They're eighth in points per game. The Ravens, they're eighth. The reason why. And so they average yeah. 25 points per game. The reason why it feels like it's so little is because they're 24th in red zone touchdown percentage. Sure. So yeah, they score 25 yeah. points per game, but because they're in the red zone so often and don't score, it feels way, way worse. And so just, it's just, it is, that's what's so frustrating. You just like want to, you know, shake them and say, wake up and get in the end zone and just like pound it in and finish. So, um, so yeah, I still feel, feel like they can score two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, cause I think they're going to be in the red zone enough to do that. I'm getting the sense that this is going to be yet another plunker here. And it's going to be a low-scoring one. It's going to be a defensive-minded game. This Broncos defense is legit. I mean, you heard what Brandon had to say um, about Pat Sertan. Uh, that that dude is is for real at the cornerback position. But I'm going to go with the Ravens. I mean, they they let us down last week. We both picked them, of course, on the road in Jacksonville, and then we all know what happened in that fourth quarter. But I am going to go with the Ravens. I am going to go with a low-scoring affair here that's ultimately going to be won by the Ravens' defense, right? They're going to, that's what I'm saying. They're going to come back and redeem themselves for that fourth-quarter embarrassment last week in Jacksonville. It's going to be a tight one. I'll go Ravens 23, Denver 18. 23 to 18. Uh, so after all that talk, you're getting them two touchdowns too. I'm going to give them two touchdowns. Why the heck All not? Right. But touchdowns right. have certainly come at a premium. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. I'll say this, too, before we wrap, because uh, I, th I thought, you know, Keith Mills, my former colleague at, at WBAL and someone you've done a lot of uh, shows with when you're during your time with the Ravens, just a, you know, a legend in these parts from for Ravens and Orioles and Baltimore sports coverage. He and I do Wednesday night live streams at uh, a local restaurant in Baltimore. I thought he told a great story about Marshall that, that I had forgotten. And that was, do you remember during Lamar's MVP season when the team flew over to L.A. for Monday night football and absolutely embarrassed the Rams on primetime? Remember that? Uh, yeah, and you know who else remembers it is uh, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> He's just talked about that recently. Yes, he does. 
Yeah, we had that on the vault, right? And I think it was like 45 to 6 or something insane like that. Lamar was like dancing on the field. You know, I think Joe Tessitore was the Monday Night Football guy, uh, broadcaster that season. And he was like the Jackson 5, remember? I mean, it was just like an insane night. Well, lost in the shuffle, perhaps, was just how dominant Marshall Yonda was that night going up against the perennial all-pro, and Aaron Donald. And Millsy talked with Marshall after the game, and and he was just he's, – he's so selfless, such a selfless guy, you know, uh, uh, really just a, a blue-collar guy who, who landed with the perfect organization in the perfect city, who appreciated him, and, and that guy was – was just a, a force and an unstoppable force that, uh, you know, in the trenches for that team that, that won a lot of games for him, that uh, a lot of the stuff that he did, a lot of the grit that he showed wouldn't show up in the box score. But we want to make sure that we we give him his due. And I know you feel the same way from the time that you got to see him in his heyday when you're with the Ravens organization. I know you don't oh, take yeah. that lightly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just uh... – I mean, we were all begging him not to retire after that 2019 season, right? Because it was like, you know, 14 and two and you you just didn't at all play your best game in that first playoff matchup. And it was just like, come on, Yonda, come come run it back. And that's what led to the Ravens in 2021 having to go sign Kevin Zeitler because, you know, they just couldn't replace Yonda uh, with draft picks or guys coming up. And um and that's what he is. He's irreplaceable. As good as Zeitler has been, you know, it's not it's not Marshall Yonda. And Zeitler has been really good, but that just tells you how good Marshall Yonda is. Um, it, and and it was just I can remember back. Um, everybody plays that that um, video in Seattle when John Harbaugh, you know, yells over to Lamar. Lamar, do you want to go for this on fourth down? And uh, what's also within that clip though is. Lamar looks to his offensive linemen, including uh, Marshall Yonda. So after coach asked Lamar, Lamar looked at Yonda and he's like, do y'all want to go for it? And Yonda was like, he almost had the Joker laugh, you know, from Batman where it was like, he was insane. He like this, the, the, the switch had been flipped and he was in that zone and he's like, Do we, yeah, like just laughing. Of course you want to go for it because he was ready to go wreak havoc. <laughs> and um, and I just miss that about him. You know what I mean? I just want more guys like that on offense with Lamar out there. Yeah, I, that was my first season. That 2019 season was my first season with the local radio in Baltimore. And, and I would do the pre and post game shows. So we were actually down underneath the stadium outside the locker room was our post-game setup area. And before we were going on, and this was, of course, after the the gut-wrenching divisional loss to the Titans after the bye week that they earned. And uh, Milsey and I noticed that Marshall and all of his family were kind of lingering, you know, hanging out on the field, taking photos, sort of taking it in, seemed to be an emotional moment. And I thought to myself, Oh no, is this it for a guy who I thought he had one more Super Bowl run in him, you know, and uh, unfortunately for for the fan base, but fortunately for Marshall, because the guy's just living his best life. He's dropped what what looks to be 100 pounds. He looks like a slot receiver instead of a guard. And I know he's just having a, a very fam, family oriented life now and and, and, and enjoying himself. So I, I always remember that, though. You know, it was like you just got the sense 
he's going to hang it up. And you know what? A heck of a career, hopefully a Hall of Fame career one day in Canton because he's certainly deserving of that. Yeah, when I have a mental image of him in my head, it I refuse to let it be the post-NFL career, Marshall Yonda, where, as you say, he looks like a slot receiver. It's so, like, mind-bending weird to me that I will forevermore remember him as as the big, big offensive guard that took, took on defensive linemen. I can't, I can't even, um, I can't even put that image in my head. I sometimes look at it when it comes up on the internet and I'm like, no, that's not the Marshall Yonda I know. Folks within the fan base that haven't been following his, uh, his transformation in recent years are going to be shocked if they're at the game on Sunday and they see him at halftime, they're going to do a double take. So anyway, looking forward to that again, Marshall Yonda will take his rightful place in the Ravens ring of honor at halftime during Ravens Broncos. But that'll do it for this official game preview episode. Again, it's a one o'clock kickoff week 13 Broncos at the Ravens should be a good one. Looking forward to it. And uh, again, if you haven't already done so, please consider subscribing to our Ravens vault podcast, YouTube channel. We create daily content just like we do here in our audio only versions. Brandon Stokely's full interview on camera can be found on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm.